to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much for listening, always, on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, and now on YouTube. We got a special guest here today to talk NBA draft, a little primer on NBA free agency. If you've been an SST truther, you've been listening through the years, you heard this man talk pre-draft last year's NBA draft. We're doing a little different this year. We're going post-draft. Now we know the fits. We know where the players went. We know who rose. We know who fell, plus some NBA free agency stuff. His name is Glenn Johnson. What's up, my brother? Thanks for having me, Pete. How you doing? I'm doing great. You know, I really wanted to get that that preview, that draft preview episode out before, but the week happened really fast. I had some events for work, and then I had the uh, NBA draft theories. I did like a lesser episode, and then I was like, what am I going to do? Rush to get one out uh, a couple hours before the draft happens, and by the time anyone listens, like it's, it's old news, right? So now we're waiting, and we're getting on the flip side. First, we got to flip over to our friends over at DraftKings. Hey, sports fans, the Stanley Cup just ended and the Avalanche are champions, but there's still plenty of great things to bet on on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. And thankfully, the unbelievable offer still stands. Any new customer can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. Again, that doesn't even mean you have to get your bet right. Just put $5 on any team to win. Win or lose, you get $100 in free bets. Looking to turn some small bets into a big payday? Well, you can do just that with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. You may have won some NBA bets, some NHL bets. You can do the same thing with baseball. Create your own parlay by by combining multiple bets, like who will hit a home run, who will get more than two total bases, who's going to win the game, maybe an over-under as well, and that's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable source. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So let me ask you off the rip. Where were you at? Because I know where you were at like six months ago on this NBA draft. Where were you at like going into it? Like one day before and then as the news started to break about you know, Paolo could be in play for one and your boy Jabari Smith, not the tip of the hat, uh, maybe sliding down. Where were you at on this draft? Just overview. Yeah, no, uh, I think as everyone knows, it was a, like a three horse race to see who was going to be in the first overall spot um, and really was top heavy uh, when it comes to the potential superstars. Um, I think something we've talked about last year was like how deep the draft was. And a lot of people said that about this year too. Uh, but I really think Last year was more deep throughout the first round. Um, again, it was very, very top heavy with the big three, maybe throwing Jaden Ivy there too. Um, but I, I definitely was a little bit surprised because you know me, I, like probably like six, seven, eight months ago, I was like, Jabari Smith, no one's talking about him right now, but this guy is going to be the first overall pick. And I really thought he was going to be until uh, obviously the Apollo news broke, but um I don't think any of the top three teams could have gone wrong with either of those three players. Yeah, we'll get into some more specifics on their fits, but I do remember you were the first person to put me on to, to Jabari Smith 
before he was looked at as a consensus, even top three pick at that point, he was more of just like, all right, this guy's a lottery pick, top 10, whatever, maybe top five. Then all of a sudden, it just trickled up, trickled up, trickled up until he was the number one guy. Now, it's important to remember with this stuff, it's so like cyclical in the sense of these things grow over time and change. And every year there can be somebody who's the guy. And because he's the guy, he gets picked apart a little differently. Somebody else jumps ahead, but it's been him all along. It's possible to say that's kind of the Paolo story here. Because if you think about Paolo after like game one of the season where they played Gonzaga, where he went off in the first half, he had cramps. It's like, yo, this guy Paolo's off the charts. But then people like you who are seeing Jabari and his just elite jumper, his uh, elite work ethic, his body, his build, the whole nine was just off the charts. I mean, you guys were right on it that he should have or could have been the number one pick. However, he slides down. After that, like you kind of alluded to it already, are you shocked that he goes down to three? You think the Thunder were just so set on shit there? And like, what was your order? Let me just ask you that. What was your order for personal big board? Not trying to guess what was going to happen. Yeah, no, I think my personal big board was probably Jabari, Paulo Benchet, actually, which I think a lot of people have Paulo three. Um, like, or everyone kind of had uh, Chet two, whether they had Jabari number one or Paulo number one. Yeah. Um, but I just think I know you created a little graphic of your their upside and floor, and I think it was pretty spot on. Um, of I think Jabari Smith at the end of the day, like, is going to be a role or at minimum like a high level role player that like obviously you don't want to hear that about a top three pick but like at worst elite three and d uh player uh, i think paulo is going to be a fantastic scorer uh but then the day sometimes people who are terrific scores if they can't contribute in other ways which I'm not saying that's going to be the case but they have risks involved with them um, I do think from a super style, uh, excuse me, a superstar um, kind of like persona, I think Paulo definitely like has it. He went to Duke, has always been the limelight. Like both Jabari and Chet are very like reserved and still confident, but like reserved don't need to always be in the limelight. Like Chet said he was excited about going to OKC even before the draft. Like he's from Minnesota. Like he he's fine with the Midwest. Right. Um, I do think Paulo hopefully will thrive. Um, I think he's probably going to, I think if he went to Houston um, or actually either of those three places that he was going to be the rookie of the year, uh, just from like what he'll put up statistically, but then the year like stats aren't always what matter and contributing to like a winning basketball team, which is different because um, obviously Jabari Smith, I think would thrive on a team with established superstars or a team with no superstars where I think Paulo isn't the case like he needs to have the ball in his hands um he's going to want to be a primary scorer where uh, chet and jabari can kind of contribute to teams in other ways i mentioned that a lot last year with actually uh evan mobley about how he's a guy that i really liked last year because again like he can go to a team that he doesn't he can contribute in so many other ways other than just scoring um obviously in cleveland uh, there aren't necessarily as established superstars but he he played a uh, tremendous role there um, as a defensive uh, big that could also stretch the floor on offense. Yeah. And he moves the ball. Like he does all the things. And that reminds me of Chet. I think it's a very fair person to bring up because I think I heard somewhere that Chet had the fourth most plays run for him on Gonzaga's team, which sounds mm-hmm. ludicrous, right? Like if Chet was at a different program, 
he would have had probably six to eight more touches a game. His numbers would have been astronomical. Does that get him number one pick? It might. It, it very well might. He was in play here, obviously, right? The one thing I do want to push back on with the Paolo stuff, because the reason why I had Paolo number one on my board was the passing and the playmaking. Like I, I, I tweeted this out the other day. I haven't heard this comp, and I know comps are kind of annoying and they're not always accurate. Some people tried to jump on Kendrick Perkins for his comps during the draft. I watched Paolo at Duke, and I kind of got reminded of uh, Detroit Blake Griffin. Obviously, Paolo is a little bit more athletic because he's young, but the style in which Blake Griffin led the Pistons in that good year, because like people forget Blake was really, really good that one year in Detroit. He was off the charts. He was all NBA. He was running the offense. He was passing, shooting, and still scoring on the inside. I, I see that same style from Paolo where he actually is uh, probably the best passer of the three of them, and he can put the ball on the floor and create for himself and others. And he had a lot of people around him at Duke who also wanted the ball. So that was what pushed me over the hump on putting Paolo number one because the, the narrative was, oh, Jabari plays with others so well, especially if he has guards who want to throw him the ball, which was a problem at Auburn. Chet plays with others so well. Paolo needs it all himself. I didn't necessarily agree with that uh, assessment because I do think he was like the glue for five different five-star recruits at Duke where he was the guy who was the steadier, the guy who was the true distributor on the team. And yeah, he wanted the ball in his hands a lot, but it's not like he was pounding the rock uh, to death waiting for something to happen or just running, you know, pick and roll a hundred times. Like he was moving the ball. He was getting different spots and, and the shooting. I do like the stroke in general, but I did like passing for Paolo as uh, the number one skill for him. Totally. And I, I honestly think the, the young Blake or not young, uh, the Detroit Blake Griffin is a great comparison. Um, I think Paolo too gets way too much crap for, not like not being able to shoot. He shot like, I think 34%. I could be wrong on that, but like mid thirties. Uh, and like, everyone was like, yeah, he's not, not really a good three point shooter. It's like, are you kidding me? Like sign me up for that. Like for a player that plays his position, his size, his build, like that's great. Uh, and he has a great shooting stroke. Um, I think for me though, with like Jabari, like, like he can switch truly defend one through five. And, uh, maybe a little bit biased towards my Celtics, but like, why were they in the finals? Like, yes, like they have Tatum on offense and Jalen, but like terrific def defense, very switchable on all their picks. So that's what the NBA is these days. Um, like was Detroit Blake Griffin on winning, playing winning basketball? Yes. Yeah. For what it was worth. Yes, it was. Comparatively, but like. Comparatively. Right. But you can't really judge it because the team was just gone. Yeah. Yeah. The team was horrendous and he carried them into the playoffs. Yeah. Not that any of the top three teams, Orlando, OKC right. or Houston are going to play probably competitive basketball for a playoff spot anytime soon. But like just at the end of the day, like the type of player Jabari is, is why I like, like him so much. Yeah. Um, but again, I think Paul is going to flourish and do great. I think they're all going to do great on the teams they're on. And speaking of Boston, as you said, you're a Boston Celtics fan, you're a Boston sports fan in general. Are you a masshole specifically? Oh, of course. I think that <laughs> anyone who, like any masshole is willing to admit they're masshole. Like, <laughs> fair, fair, fair. So you're not going to get many people who get defensive about it. <laughs> another another masshole himself, Bill Simmons, uh, obviously a Boston guy. Nothing to do with Boston, but I'm just segueing to him. He always brings up the idea of, can this guy who I'm talking about in the draft play in the NBA finals that I just watched? Like, can he find a role? Can he fit in in that in that 
setting where it's every weakness is picked on. You need to have multiple strengths to survive, just not even to thrive, just to be playable on the court, right? And and Jabari is the utmost best example of that exact thing. You can put him on any team in the NBA. Exactly. He makes you better. And that's why it's so scary to go out on that ledge of saying, oh, I think Paolo's better. Because I made it, like you mentioned that graphic before, there's a much better chance that Paolo, uh, his, his bottom drops out and it doesn't go well. There's like no chance that I could see Jabari not having a good career. It's like impossible yeah. to even fathom, which is really impressive to him and just, you know, goes to a testament of, of what he's done to create that jumper, which is just gorgeous. Yeah. And I, I think at the end of the day, like, uh, for, for all the listeners here too, it's like, uh, I know everyone's always super optimistic about players, best case scenarios after the draft, but truly with Paul, I don't see him like if Paul's a bust, like, I think he'll always have, like, if he stays healthy, knock on wood that like, he'll always have great stats. I think Paulo not having a successful career in my eyes is, does he not contribute on a winning basketball team? Right. Is he a perennial like sixth seed, seventh seed guy? Yeah, maybe or like who knows where he'll go if he'll stay in Orlando after this first contract or what have right. you. But like, will he contribute to winning basketball and like making deep playoff runs? Because he's the type of personality. He's the type of persona. He's the type of player that like that you're carrying the team yourself. So like you're going to have a lot of pressure on you in that way. Yeah. Absolutely. And all these guys are in different ways. And I'm excited to watch uh, the combos of young players on these, on these franchises that really are growing some serious youth here. Like you talking about the magic who have put together a number of young pieces now who are good. OKC has like an insane amount of young pieces now. Um, Have you heard of the slim towers yet? The slim towers is that Chet and Usman Jang? No. Poku. Oh my God. Poku. Yeah, of course. How could I forget about Poku? But even still, like, and they've got more picks to come. Uh, and now the Rockets have a nice little thing going there with Jalen Green and Jabari Smith. And I heard Jalen Green on a podcast uh, recently. I think it was Bill Simmons actually as well. And he's talking about how he wants to get better at that that corner pass, uh, passing across the court, the corner for the shoot for the shooters and out there, and just in general becoming a better playmaker. I mean, hey, who better do you want to throw the ball to as a young star in this league than Jabari Smith? So it's just, it's a beautiful fit there. Any other thoughts on the fit specifically for any of those players? Uh, other other than that, we'll start moving into some other picks and some other stuff. Um, Like, I, I feel like you covered a lot of it, so we don't need to continue to, to hammer things. Um, I, I do just think they're all in great situations. Um, it will be interesting a little bit for Paul, in my opinion, just because they, Magic, have so many young guards. Um I don't know why he's the first one I thought of, but you got RJ Hampton. Um, what's his name? Cole, Cole Anthony. Anthony um, a Fultz. Fultz. Yeah. yeah. So like they have a lot of young guards that they can play off. Like one of them at a time can play with Paul, but like if you have two of those guys and Paul, it's a lot of like guys who need the ball in their hands. Um, so. That doesn't even bother me as much as their defense might be terrible. Yeah, Jalen Suggs though has to be a plus defender for them, right? Jalen so Suggs, another one of their four young guards. Yeah, if Suggs can be a plus defender and Fultz can be a decent be. defender, like then they'll be fine. But if imagine like RJ Hampton right now, who's you know kind of just average at everything, not great, whatever. Cole Anthony, who's not a defensive player yet, he's more of an offensive player. And Paolo, who doesn't project to be a great defensive player at this point in time. 
Like that could be ugly defensively. A lot of weight yeah. on Franz Wagner and, and Wendell Carter at that point. Um, but, uh, offensively, it's kind of exciting because you're saying the, there's only one ball and whatever. They're all going to want it. I think they're all going to get it. I don't think any yeah. of them are good enough to demand a 30% usage, which is going to be. Not, I wouldn't be shocked but, if Paulo comes in and just. You would or wouldn't. He, I would not be surprised. Mm. It's the Paulo show. I would love it. I love it. I look forward to seeing it. And uh, I just want to see Chet and SGA like figure something out and Giddy. Like, I think there's just going to be some wicked ball movement there. SGA gets a little, uh, ISO, ISO happy because he can do it and he's got yeah. a terrible team. Like, why not go get yours? But if that ball starts swinging with SGA, Giddy, and Chet, and they can just stick in another shooter or two there, whoo, that could be, that could be fun. All right. Last question. The fast break fun. Yeah. Last question on the top three. Which of those three teams, Houston, uh, OKC, or Orlando, will be the most frisky this upcoming year? Because none of them are going to be obviously like good teams, but which of those three are friskiest? That's tough. I, I just like can't yeah. like watching. I didn't watch many, but like <laughs> highlights of OKC games last year. You didn't watch like, a lot of. Thunder they didn't even. They didn't even tr- like. They're not even trying to win. So like, I can't picture them i guess maybe orlando maybe because what they snuck into like an eight seed a couple years ago i know they have a different team from them but like maybe Peren- they were a perennial eighth seed i feel like for a yeah couple yeah i think they're gonna try to be good they're gonna try to prove that they're doing something right i think it's that's just not- weird thinking of the rockets as like a bottom of the barrel team now just because like for so long and just the rocket symbol i see Tracy McGrady, James Harden, like, yeah, and just think of like a playoff team, but crazy, crazy. All right, let's keep moving a little bit here. Uh, some people said the draft was going to start at pick number four. It's not exactly how it went down because of the Kings Kingsing. Everyone talks mm-hmm. about the Knicks mixing all the time, but it seems like the Kings Kings again. Uh, oh. Everybody wanted to trade into that pick for Jaden Ivey, yet they just decided to draft someone else. Uh, what's your non-information take on what the hell happened to the Kings? Like what they just, happened? They picked for need. Oh, you think that, or you think they just didn't have a good deal? Just, they were playing hard to get. Like what? Like I wouldn't be surprised if they got some deals, but it was probably further than they wanted to drop down. Like right. think Knicks or, but like I don't know. I think they could have maybe dropped down to let's say hypothetically the Knicks spot, then try to package something to move up again or something. But I just think like don't pick for need and uh, like don't get me wrong keegan murphy murray was like a good player and everything but like i think everyone was pretty spot on thinking that Jaden ivy uh should have been number four kind of reminds me of like a young donovan mitchell a lot so i guess time will tell yeah and it's feel i feel bad for keegan murray he's kind of getting dragged in this whole thing here he's a good player i kind of look at him as a jabari smith like he's jabari smith light not quite as good a shooter, not quite as physically gifted, but and does a lot of the not same. Not as stuff. switchable on defense, but right, forty something percent. So, exact, exactly. So I, I, he's getting dragged. He's getting the shit under the stick here, as Keegan Murray. But he, he's a good player. Jaden Ivey going to Detroit. I personally love it. Another point to yeah, they're it's only a great being fit. one ball, right? Only being one ball. That's the thing that a lot of people say. However, that's true. There's only one ball, but the one person can't just do it all himself. Very, very few people in the league even deserve the right to have a usage that high. It's Luca. It's James Harden like four years ago. And you could argue like that's it. Like no one else should really even do it. Kate Cunningham doesn't need to be Luca or James Harden. 
it'll be really, really beneficial to him to have another primary ball handler for to share that burden with. And Ivy's not the type of guy to be it by himself. So I think this fit is awesome and I'm incredibly excited. I think Cade is going to be off the charts this year and it's going to make Jaden Ivy's life a lot easier. I think he's a sneaky, sneaky rookie of the year candidate in case the Pistons win a couple games, but I don't know if the numbers will get there just because Cade, I think will be like the star of the show. Yeah, no, they're going to be fun. I don't know if you saw that graphic. I forget who, what social media uh, outlet posted it, but it was like, um, Jaden Ivey, um, Cade Cunningham, uh, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, and Jalen Duran. Like, they're gonna have a young, fun team. Um, that they might not win a ton of games, but they're gonna be young, they're gonna be fun. I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of become, I don't know, I feel like the Hornets in the last year or two with Lamelo have become like a fun, youthful team that is very much within like the top of the basketball culture of the NBA. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Pistons kind of, uh, move that way as well yeah that makes a lot of sense to me the hornets pull is a good one there because all of a sudden you're looking at that hornets roster and you're like yeah everyone knows Lamelo, everyone knows Cade, right then it's some of these other guys miles bridges pj washington terry rozier being a little bit more of a uh, veteran in that in that cause there just really coming together and making a, a serious serious team now, i don't know what the pistons are going to do i feel like they're going to be kind of aggressive to try to get somebody here um in the ilk of a Rogier or a Gordon Hayward, they're going to do with the, their best to get somebody. I just don't yeah. know who's out there for them. Nonetheless, it should be a super fun team to watch. Um, any other picks in the top 10, Glenn, that jumped out to you? Any one or two picks here that you either loved or hated for whatever reason? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say I love or hate. I think more so just call them out as interesting picks. Um, I'm not sure how familiar most people are with Dyson Daniels, the, the guard wing who was in the G League Ignite out of Australia. Um, he's six, what six 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 seven. Uh, he's listed as a point guard, um, and I wouldn't have been surprised honestly if he snuck to four or five, uh, just because people kind of look at the success of like Therese Halliburton, for example, these really supersized guards uh, that can do so much and with their height can defend uh, multiple positions while still being able to attack and. Uh, pass and uh, have like high basketball IQ. So I think uh, where'd he end up? The Pelicans. I yep. think that was a good pickup. Uh, Shaden Sharp for people who don't know um, the top overall recruit from two years ago, who only did a half year at Kentucky and didn't play is super, super, super raw. Um, there's the potential there, but it's probably the highest upside pick in the top 10. Um, I think he could, um, I'm trying to think of a player comp for him, but a similar player, uh, Hamadou Diallo, who's on the Detroit Pistons, did the same route. He like graduated a half year early, went to Kentucky for um, just second semester and didn't play his first year. But he actually then returned con- to Kentucky, which I, I thought Shaden Sharp, that may have been the best route for him, but he was still a top 10 pick. So um, hopefully like they'll take their time with him and really develop right. him in Portland. Yeah, and I think so. his skill set from Hamadou Diallo is very different, right? Like Hamadou Diallo, do, Diallo ugh, Hamadou They're both Diallo. super bouncy, right? But Shaden Sharp can shoot, right? <laughs> Which is exactly. a big difference between the two, right? Like Diallo is not a shooter by any means, though he was in, in is an insane athlete. Sharp is projected to be a shooter. I want to ask you this one question about Shaden Sharp: What's your thoughts on Mike Schmitz 
who's no longer with ESPN, who's with Portland, making that, granted, he's not the GM, right? But he's clearly yeah. there to do draft stuff. And this is the first guy they draft. What do you make of that uh, dynamic? Yeah, it's it, like, I wish I could find out how much uh, he like impacted their decision, but I'm sure they relied on him a lot. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Mike Schmitz used to be uh, with ESPN and um, what was his company that he also ran? Was it Draft Express? Draft Express, yes, exactly. Yeah, was still at ESPN. Uh, but like Mike Schmidt just would always sit down with prospects, um, both for the draft and even just like top college guys, um, and like just review tape with them and made videos. And it was always so interesting to really see, um, like kind of how the minds of players worked. And you, I don't know, I feel like you got to know the players a little bit more because it wasn't like a formal interview by any means. Um, so those those will be dearly missed. Uh, I, I'm sure that his I'll miss him on his draft coverage, I will say. Yeah, no, definitely. And I feel like ESPN was starting to really utilize him more, just like not only on TV. Like it used to be a lot of like digital video. Now it was like he actually was on Sports Center doing stuff and all different uh, ESPN shows. So we'll definitely miss seeing him around. Yeah, absolutely. On the Dyson Daniels front, uh, I love the Halliburton pull. Cause it's like a, it's a feel thing, right? It's when you watch them and you're like, Oh, it just seems like he's doing the right thing all the time. Not enough players in the NBA get called out for not knowing what to do. But when you really watch like some players, you almost notice it more when it's positive than negative. Like some players just do stuff and it's like, yeah, they're doing what they're supposed to do. But when you see a player who's like thinking the game at a higher level, yeah, it just, it jumps out. And not that you and I are the X and O geniuses of, of basketball. We're not, but we just, we know what we're looking for to an extent Halliburton right away. I was like, this dude knows what to do. He knows how to get to his spots. He passes good. His shot's a little funky, but it, it, it seems decent. Very similar case for Dyson Daniels. The shot takes forever to get off, but it doesn't look like terrible, right? Like it just looks like it's not going to be NBA ready right away. However, he'll make up for it with defense length, energy, making the right play. I look forward to seeing how that fits. And if he does become the defender that many people project him to be, Listen, the Pelicans were frisky this past year, Glenn. We had yeah. we now have a CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram led offense with a Dyson Daniels, Herb Jones led defense. That well, could be like kind of dangerous there. Who is the Pelicans free agent point guard? About to be free agent point guard. Um free agent point guard. Uh oh sh- Am I mistaken? Oh, they're gonna get him or are they gonna lose him? Lonzo? No, Lonzo's with Chicago. Oh what are you, a year late? Get out of here. I'm a, such, yeah. Former free agent. Yeah, that's what I meant. Exactly, Pete. Ray Think Park. about what Lonzo, Lonzo was. A 6'6 six, six guard, uh, point guard, and I think uh, a tall a tall point guard like that compliments um, CJ very well. Um, Definitely for CJ, 100%. Yeah, yeah, who did they bring in last year from the Hornets? Um, um, Devontae Graham. Yeah, like that was not it. <laughs> well they didn't have cj at the time yeah i know right? but just like For that sure. was like their replacement starting point guard for lonzo and i was like that is not the not the one yeah. not the one uh I, I can't go on without mentioning one of my favorite players in this draft that's benedict matherin talking about tyrese halliburton they are going to be backcourt mates in indiana that is exciting to me um i'd be a little nervous that neither neither of them are like super true Honestly, no, I'm not going to say that because I think Halliburton has grown already enough to prove he's just an all-around point guard. Uh, but he wasn't a true scorer 
coming in. Matherin's not really a true scorer either. So it would worry me that neither of them are true. Like I'm going to go get my own shot. However, they're both aggressive. They're both good passers. I think Matherin didn't get enough credit for his passing, but his energy, everyone talks about this kid like crazy. He's athletic as hell. He can be a good defender. However, there's a reason he wasn't looked at as higher than six, even though everyone seemed to love him. What do you look at for him as like a, a, like a realistic ceiling, perhaps, if everything goes well? For Matherin? Yeah, yeah. Like looking at the best case scenario for him, because I think we could all see what the, the reasonable scenario is, which is a very good two guard with some combo skills, but not like special in any one category. That's like the the, the average for him. Yeah. There's, there's routes to go other places. No, it really reminds me of uh, also a, a pacer, someone who was pacer uh, like Karis LeVert. Mm. Um, not truly a one or even like a true combo guard, but like kind of a two that does some point guard stuff. Right. Um, I was just a little bit surprised with Indiana, honestly, because I feel like they are because Matherin was a sophomore. I know a lot of times people, including myself, sometimes like think about age a little bit too much. But I feel like Indiana is so early in a rebuild that I think if I were them, I would have gone with uh, Shaden Sharp, just like take the super young guy that like is going to take some time to develop. Um, but at the end of the day, like. Matherin's only what a year older than him so yeah he's 20 and he's a young sophomore too I'm pretty sure yeah I just think you you know what you're gonna get a little bit more with Matherin than Shane right Sharp, for example. An- another Indiana guy is Oladipo right like yeah yep Oladipo could, wasn't really a shooter became a better shooter and got some of that point guard stuff I think Matherin could do similarly and again one ball but they help each other relieve some of that stress of always being the ball carrier uh in totally. Indiana uh, so good stuff there. I think Sohan is like the most Spursy pick of all time. I love it. I I, I like sneaky love this Spurs young core. It's I didn't so love him, but I feel like the Spurs can literally develop anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> even, though, even though they haven't been in the playoffs for three years and they haven't been that good, we still trust them blindly, and I think they deserve that. Everyone um, wanted them to pick Jovic, and I thought it was the most Spurs pick that they didn't end up picking. They they don't want they don't do what we want them to. They do what they oh, do. No. That's that's what makes them them. Um, I don't love Johnny Davis. I'm going to say, say that. Neither right do now. I. Oh, you don't either. I actually am no. unfamiliar with your Johnny Davis He's, take. I'm not a fan. It's, it's just, think about how many players, and I'm like, I wish I had an example offhand, but just how many players who were like really good college scorers who like just, like that doesn't equate to much in the NBA. And yeah. like that's just that's like really a classic two guard. Like I know the, the, the epitome of this example is like Jimmer for dead, but like, not saying that they're the same players, but it's just like another scoring two guard that I just don't think is going to really do anything special in the NBA. Like maybe he has a 10 point season at one point in time, but like is out of the league in six years. Like, I don't know. Like it's really tough to maintain longevity in the NBA. Yeah. And he really has to extend the range. He has to be able to shoot. It's not minimum, like he's an elite shooter. Yeah, he's not an elite shooter. He has to, at minimum, become a above average corner three guy, and like just he has to be able to take above the break threes. He has to be able to take them, or else, in my eyes, he's irrelevant. The one thing that people said about him, which was hard to argue against, was Wisconsin asked him to do so much offensively, so his numbers took a beating for it. He's forcing a lot of shots. He's attacking like relentlessly because he had no choice. That team wasn't very good. So that's the only argument I hear. I'm like, okay, maybe I should give him some some slack here. But when I watched all his stuff, 
I was just like, I don't like that shot. I don't like that shot. Like he's fighting, he's rebounding. He's athletic. He's going to grind. That's why I, I don't think he's out of the league in six years. I just don't think he's a starter. I think he's like a, a, a firm bench player in his career at best. So we'll see what happens. And now moving on to pick number 11, where the Knicks were. And basically nobody knew what the hell was going on. I know us Knicks fans are watching saying, what pick is going out? How many picks are we getting? Who who are they coming from? Now Kemba's getting traded and dumped. And are we picking 12? Are we picking 13? Even Woj and Shams didn't know what was going on. So as a non-Knicks observer, Glenn, the hell was going through your mind? Because Knicks fans were freaking out. Yeah, and if Woj doesn't know what's going on, I don't think any of us do. Um, yeah, it was really confusing. It just made me think about the people who were at the draft um, because they don't really announce the trades, unlike the, the NFL draft. Uh, I'm sure they had no clue what was going on. Uh, but I know at one point in time, Jalen Duran, the center from Memphis, was heading to the Knicks. I was like, oh, wow. Like, I was a, I'm a big fan of his. Um, I was like, wow, like that's a great pickup for the Knicks. Um, that means I guess they're not re-signing Mitch. Uh, but then it seems like they traded away uh, everything. But I think the salary relief, like as much as it's kind of annoying, it does play a significant role. Um, and then just having future picks, I know there's like – about getting into the nitty gritty of it, like protections do have a really important impact. And a lot of these are probably, even though they're for next year, the protections are going to push them down the line, but just additional picks help you move up and down in drafts. They help you uh, trade, like look at Jeremy Grant from the Blazers was like a late first round pick. So like getting a role player like that on an expiring contract, these can be used for like, it's just nice to have like the flexibility of having draft picks um, even if the protections are great or if they don't get compared for a couple of years, it's it's good to have. So I honestly don't think anyone on the board um, was someone that I was like the Knicks missed out on per se. Maybe AJ Griffin, the the small forward from Duke, I think is a really good shooter and fell to 16 um, for Atlanta. But at the end of the day, like, I, I think it was smart for conveying one first round pick and Kemba Walker and like four second rounders for three first rounders. So, yeah. Yeah. And the initial takeaway is frustration for Knicks fans, right? Cause draft nights this night, you look forward to you, you learn about all these players in the vicinity of your pick and you're like, ah, I would love this guy. I wouldn't love that guy. And you walk away with nothing in that regard. And it's frustrating. But as I reminded people in my Instagram and TikTok video, like the draft is not supposed to be fun, like for, for a team. <laughs> specifically it's not it's not about having fun it's about making your team better and, and if you can accept that you can try to look into the mind of the front office of the knicks and you say if they didn't love anybody at 11 kind of like you just mentioned like uzman jang is a prospect i like i don't like him for the knicks like jalen williams is a prospect i like you know what's he doing for the knicks i'm not sure so because when it was first announced it was uzman jang to the knicks and i was like weird fit like i like him as a prospect but for like OKC or the Spurs or teams that are like have this five year plus like development uh, ability, which are like, I feel like the Knicks are still obviously trying to contend for the playoffs. So again, right. I think and, the day, they made the right decision. And even just with developing young players in general, outside of RJ Barrett, you know, and I guess you can count quickly now and even Mitch, like that might be the first group of Knicks players who get re-signed from the draft since the late nineties. Like the Knicks don't re-sign draft picks because they haven't worked out like they yeah. just have at all. Right. Even if they did a little bit, they traded them, whatnot. Mitch seems like the first guy to break that mold. RJ should do the totally. same. Um, but yeah, it was very, very weird. And the one frustrating thing for Knicks fans too, was 
is all this about just just getting Jalen Brunson. And I think what we all have realized, it can't be just about Jalen Brunson. There has to be other moves totally. here. Otherwise, it's a failure. Because as much as we can like Jalen Brunson, which I think most people like him, we all understand that he's not a number one, that he's not going to change the course of a franchise by himself. He's more of a, a ceiling raiser or a floor raiser with like uh, occasional ceiling type stuff, right? Like he can carry your team for two weeks when your best guy goes hurt, but you don't want him being the guy when it comes down totally. to it. So he's really a floor raiser, which listen, the Knicks need a higher floor, but that can't be the whole story. However, Glenn, what is the story? What are the other opportunities there? This is kind of touching on the free agency stuff here too. What the heck could be the other options to bring in with Jalen Brunson if that is a short thing, as people say? Yeah, which I didn't really realize all the connections he had to the organization, Leon Rose, his agents, Leon Rose's son, right? Um, and I only just thought of this right now, Pete, so I'm actually going to fire it back to you of uh, what you think uh, your take on this. But I think something I had been thinking about was DeAndre Ayton. I know a lot of people compare thought he would be a good fit for the Hornets, the Pistons, but they both drafted centers uh, in the lottery. So it seems more likely that they're not going to go in that direction. But it looks like if the Knicks don't re-sign Mitch, that there's a little bit of a hole there. What well, is your thought on that? Um, I, I haven't thought of that one either. Um, it depends on the number. So my, my take is if you can get Mitch at 15 million per, or DeAndre Ayton at 25 plus per I'm going Mitch and I'm sticking with Mitch. And I, I get why Phoenix didn't want to give DeAndre Ayton the max. And now I understand why Ayton fans and Ayton takes that as an insult and doesn't like that. If it wasn't the Suns, right? I think we all look at this a lot differently because the Suns are cheap and they have a terrible owner who might have to sell the team in a year if, if we're lucky. We all heard, oh, they won't give eight in the max. It's the Suns' fault. They're blowing it again. However, if this was a different team, I think we'd say, yeah, do we really want to give eight and $28 million a year when you need to give another max or two maxes out on your roster? <sighs> that, that stresses me out a little bit, Glenn. I don't think I would want... Let's go get, 16 for Mitch, 25 for Aiton. I'm going with Mitch. I think that $10 million that you can save on a, a good center versus a very good center, right? I think Mitch is good. I think DeAndre Ayton is very good. I don't think he's uh, elite in any regard. He's very good. Perhaps and I think more that, scoring I, than Mitch, more flexible scoring than Mitch. And and you could argue maybe even more flexible defending, though Mitch is a better interior defender. Ayton's a little bit more suited to stay out of foul trouble and guard the perimeter. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm saving the money. I'm sticking with Mitch. I don't want to tie up more money into Aiton. However, if it's Aiton and Brunson coming in, I think at least there's some structure and some some progress there. It's just it wouldn't be on the top three of my hopes for their offseason. Is, is my take. That's my take. Yeah. So I don't know who else is out there. There's there's talks about DeJounte Murray, which I think are high in the sky. I don't think that's legit. I think the Spurs want to keep him. Um, Donovan Mitchell will be dangling out there. But if you're talking about a Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, RJ Barrett, you know, one, two, three combo, it's good. It's very, it's much better than we got. And I think I would be very thrilled with that. However, 
I'm not convinced that's going to end up happening. I don't think we're going to end up with Donovan Mitchell after this offseason. As much as I've tried to talk myself into it and, and all that, I, I don't see it happening. And I don't love two smaller guards and R.J. Barrett taking the, the lead of the entire uh, backcourt. Agreed. I don't yeah. have as deep of a, a Knicks take on that one, so. That's, that's fine. That's fine. So I don't know what they're going to do. All right, let's do a couple more picks here, and then we'll get into some free agency uh, thoughts in general as we get closer and closer. We're going to talk about your Celtics as well, uh, as well as some other free agents. But throughout, you already mentioned you like Jalen Duran. Um, some other picks here, Mark Williams, A.J. Griffin. Yeah. Uh, the big one that, that kind of shocked people, Jake Laravia at a Wake Forest. Uh, any, any of those specifically jump out to mine, or is there anything else that you want to jump into in that 15 through 30 range? Yeah, uh, I guess backtracking a little bit. I know I've mentioned Jalen Duran a lot, uh, but something that I think of a comp for him is, well, first of all, like if this was 2004, he's like literally Dwight Howard. Mm. He's a bulky in a, like a muscular way, big man who can jump out of the gym, block, catch lobs, everything. But guess who else did that exclusively in college and now is doing phenomenal on the Miami Heat? Bam Adebayo. Wow. So I think I think teams aren't dumb. They aren't drafting a big these days unless they're just getting um I don't know. I think Mark Williams is a little bit different of like he's kind of more not exactly like Mitch Robinson, but it's like, oh, you're gonna rebound block shots, catch lots. Rim rim run block yeah. shots. But like ones that are a little bit more mobile, like Jalen Duran literally reminds me of Bam coming out of school. And if it if the Hornets or not the Hornets, uh, the Pistons are smart, they should try to do whatever the hell the Miami Heat did, which obviously totally different organizations. The Heat are great at developing players, but like get the ball in his hands in other ways, uh, let him really utilize his abilities and maximize his potential. And like, what was it, two, two three years ago, Bam Adebayo had five assists a game, right? As a center, yeah, because hand, like, dribble handoffs, kicking out to shooters. Um, I really think Jalen Durant has that potential to be similar to Bam, which at the end of the day, like there's a lot of conversation of like, is Bam a, a max player? That's I think, yes. not even the argument I'm getting into. I think he is. Um, you kind of saw that he was still very young in the playoffs, um, especially against Celtics, but like that's who Jalen Durant reminds me of a lot. Um, touched on the other two, Mark Williams, AJ Griffin, I think will be great. Uh, Jake LaRevia, who you mentioned, I really didn't watch that much about him. And I only just saw him like jutting up draft boards in the last like couple weeks, which I found out why today, actually, Pete. Um, it was like misinformation out there about his age. Um, mm. He was listed as 22 in a lot of places and his agent actually like he's 20, which mm -hmm. can scare people off a little bit. So they literally had to like go around like formally correcting like online publications like making sure the teams were aware uh because he was actually at wake for one year i think he was like at minnesota state or something um like a much smaller school um i really do like christian braun the the shooting guard out of um kansas um his block rate for a guard was like actually really good it was, i think he averaged almost one and a half blocks um as a shooting guard um can sh like hopefully get more consistent with his three-point shot but like has a really good stroke uh i think walker kessler for uh, minnesota will be a good role player just like blocking shots but you want to hear the scary one i think that i was talking with my buddies with this weekend because my my buddy 
uh, who was visiting from Boston, like is he does a lot of filming for high school um, AAU and the, some of the different circuits. Um, so it was a really in depth with like top high school recruits, which I, I like pay attention to that as well. Patrick Baldwin Jr. Mm-hmm. He was a top mm-hmm. 10 recruit. I thought he should have went back to school. He's out of Milwaukee. He had an offer for Duke, but his dad became a coach at Milwaukee and that's where he's from. So he stayed, had a pretty bad season with injuries. I think he only played like 10 or 12 games. He shot really bad, both from the field and from three point percentage. I was like, this is the type of dude that should have gone back to school or transferred. Um, His dad did get fired from Milwaukee, but uh, yeah, I think he's, he's in the one, like me and my buddy were talking about, he's like in the one place that I'm like, Oh shoot. It could work. Of course. It could of work. Course. Yeah. yeah. And he's go- going to Golden State. He can take his time. He's going to be surrounded by phenomenal shooters, phenomenal like organization. Like he watch out for, for that one. Yeah. And it's interesting because he probably won't get much time this year. Think about it. They no. have two rookies who were scratching at the lineup in Kaminga and Moody, who will likely get more next year, especially yep. if they don't bring back Otto Porter, which, you know, we'll see what happens with that. This is a guy, though, that can in, in three years become a rotation guy for them and has the skill set to be a dude. To not and just it's not going to be rushed at all. And it, and it shouldn't be because he clearly didn't have it. I love the pick, too. I actually uh, I wagered a small amount on him to be a first-round pick. He was plus 200 to be a first-round pick, and I snagged that one up, thankfully. Uh, it was, was my one of two wins on, on my draft bets. I actually did uh, – I was listening to the radio while walking my dog, and I heard – uh, my wojification go off my watch and I'm, I'm looking at it. So Paolo in play for number one pick. And I went on my phone real quick. I saw the odds go from 500 to 350 to 200 in like 10 seconds. Like, ah, oh. but I put a, something on him at 200 uh, as well. So that was another hit, but the Patrick Baldwin thing is very interesting. It's again, if he got, if he went by, to like a team that was like bad and wanted him to play Houston, right away. I, th- yeah, Houston was I think 29. he would have been out of the league in a couple years. Yeah, Houston's at 29, just to put put because they're next to each other. If he goes to Houston, you're like, ugh. Yeah. Maybe. But no, now he's in Golden State and you expect something. You really do. Um, yeah. On to another guy who I like, and I've been on him since way before the draft. I remember going into the tournament. I'm watching as many Duke highlights as I can to, to really watch Paolo. And I keep saying, who is this guy, Wendell Moore? I love this guy. I love how he moves the ball. I like his shooting stroke. I like his uh, yep. versatility. He looks like a big 6'5". Like, he don't look like a small like – he looks like a wing, but he's only 6'5". Love yeah. him and, and putting him in Minnesota where he can be a glue guy around Anthony Edwards and even the, the Jared Vanderbilts of the world. Like, just another guy who knows what to do, who moves the ball, who can shoot. I'm a big Wendell Moore Jr. fan. I was upset. Pete, did you really – was the second Timberwolf that came to mind really uh... – well, Jared Vanderbilt. Jared Vanderbilt. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of the guys who play forward, who okay. play who play in the middle. I obviously you got DeAndre Russell and and Cat, but I, he's not a point guard, Wendell Moore, and he's not. I, like a, I, I he yeah. was listed as a small forward, but he's like a two guard. He's a he's a wing. He's a wing. Yeah, yeah. A small a smaller wing, I guess. But but he had a pretty good assist numbers too. Like he had very good assist numbers, very good for for a college player. And that's what I'm saying. I loved how he moved the ball. I'm watching Paolo highlights. I'm like, who's this guy? He's doing all the right yeah. things. He's he's very active. I, I love his defense. And I think he could fit really well into Minnesota. I can see him being 
a first year rotation guy who who makes yeah. an impact on a helps, decent team. Helps spending three years in a Duke system. Like it doesn't hurt. And usually that scares people away. Maybe that did. Maybe that's why he fell off a little bit. But uh nonetheless, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of fine. And my my just my last person that I have to shout out who actually plays very similar to Wendell Moore. Um who was not expected to be drafted, but UConn had a player, my my alumni or my alumnus, uh, Therese Martin. Um, he played two years at a Rhode Island URI, Rhode Island, and then transferred to to UConn when Danny Hurley came uh, over. Um, and I forget who mentioned this, but I now can't stop thinking about it. Josh Hart, mm. heavy Josh both four, Hart, both four years players, both. Six five six six for guard, like phenomenal rebounding numbers. I know, like Josh Hart gets a lot of double doubles with rebounds. Uh, same thing with Martin can kind of guard one through four. Um, he got invited to some regional draft camp or something, um, and just like lit it up. Um, and I, I was, yeah, someone was like, yeah, picture Josh Hart. And now, now I can't not see it. Better or worse than other UConn alum, James Booknight? It's only a second year, so. <laughs> I know you were a fan and I wasn't, so I had to pull. I had to pick that one. I had to pull that out. Yeah, well, tough year. Well, yeah, well, yeah, we'll have the conversation next okay. year. Okay, his hand, I still stand by it, Pete. His handle is still like He's top in the league. Yeah. He's shift. All right. Not the top in the league, but like yeah, top, yeah, yeah, no, I get it, top I get it. echelon. I get it. No, uh, let's let's do one or two more picks here. I, I have a thought on uh, Gabriel Procida, the Italian man who got drafted by Portland. Everyone can easily you're see gonna him. You're going to have to tell go, me about him, actually. <laughs> you're going ha- <laughs> to have to say uh, Mario Hazonia 2.0. It's going to be terrible. But this dude is an athlete. He can play. He can shoot. Gabriel Procida, bro, watch out. He's, he's a pretty big shooting guard. And I, I think he's one of those Euros who – flew under the radar and can come in and just actually have an impact on an NBA level. Cause he does, he does every, he does everything on offense. He can shoot, he can drive, he can move the ball. And Mario Hazonia was all flash. He used all to be able up. to do that too. And, uh, was he ever able to? Uh, when, when he was in Europe before he came right. over. That is correct. So it's a second round pick. Gabriel. Pacino There's a lot of draft team. stashes. I feel like this year in the second round compared to the last couple of years. It goes back to your point of this draft not being as deep as last year. Last year, you and I were looking at this and saying, yo, the 20s, the 30s, there are players here. Yeah. And, and look at the Knicks alone, Quentin Grimes and Miles McBride. Those are NBA players, like 100%. And there are other guys who are in that same realm from last year um, who, who are going to be in that same exact ilk. So I, I love it. I think it's a good draft. It wasn't the most exciting draft of all time, but it, it, was, it was a decent one. And also – Got when was the last time we didn't know who the first overall pick was going to be until uh, moments got up there? Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, I do have Obviously to mention Vegas knew. <laughs> true, I do have to mention Trevor Keels. Any takes on Trevor Keels at a Duke? You know the the Knicks pick in the second round. Yeah, like I I watched a fair amount of Duke games and like I I did like him. I just I don't know if I like you can say like he's very thick for guard, but like. <sighs> Thick boy. I, just, for real. I don't know. When I just saw him play, I just it wasn't like screaming NBA style, but like do you it's remember the- Wayne Sheldon out of uh Kansas yeah. from like yeah, years yeah, yeah. ago? Reminds me of him, like because everyone was like, 
he's six five and like two thirty, and he can guard wings and not get bullied around as like a guard who also can guard guards. I just said guard three times in a sentence, but it reminds <laughs> me of that. Not necessarily in style of plays, but just like big body for a guard wing that like right. I thought Wayne Selden was gonna do fine, but yeah, and Trevor Peels like there. definitely likes to get his jumpers up, but he's not really a three point shooter, which just yeah. makes me just makes me nervous. I'm not I'm not super thrilled about yeah about Trevor Keel's pick. But That's development all. development is so important. It's not something we can predict. Like who would have thought going back to my Celtics, Grant Williams would be such a high uh, uh, like role player in the league. Like right. who would have thought Gary Trent would get where he is now? I don't know. Like just as another Duke uh, guard, as we talked about, Trevor Keel. Yeah, yeah sure. like you can't always predict development. So. It's a great point. It really is. And and he has a shot. It's just, will it become an NBA shot? That's, that's the question. So uh, that's a good segue by you though, to go on to the Boston Celtics and then on to free agency in general. Um, the Celtics just made the finals. Congratulations, by the way, I'm sure it was a great, great time for you. I'm those very stressful. I'm sure throughout the entire playoffs as well. Even the first round sweep was stressful for the Celtics this year, but uh, what a year you made the finals. Didn't get uh, end up how you wanted, obviously. But now we hit this point where we're up to free agency. They didn't really have any draft capital. So what's next? How does this team get better? What can they do? What is your key position of target? Uh, well, I guess first thing to start off too. Yes, it was an absolute roller coaster with uh, the game sevens we had to get through against the Bucks and the Heat. Um, and it was, I just looked back because it was so funny because going into the Brooklyn series, people were like, all right, Brooklyn as a eight, like winning in the playing games, it's like, all right, they're kind of back and like they're an elite super team. And like the first two games, I'm pretty sure the Nets were favored. I don't know in a betting perspective, but just like kind of in a, a crowd sourced sort of way. Um, then like after the Celtics, like, beat them in two games, maybe three games, like the rest of the playoffs until the finals, the Celtics were like the favorite, which was just kind of crazy how the turntables turned. Oh. Um, according to uh, the legend, Michael Scott. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, going forward, like Celtics are in great position. I think uh, not necessarily to win a finals because I think both the East and the West, like not that it was easy to get through it, but I just think any of these teams that were in the playoffs this year, like are going to like can be contenders next year. Like right. The Heat will be bad. Like will be good. The Bucks will always be good. The Sixers will be good. The Nets will probably be better next year. In the West, the Lakers will certainly be back. The Clippers are going to be healthy. Like um, the Mavericks got even better with the Christian Wood trade. Like the Nuggets get healthy. Yeah. Like there, there's so many teams that for one reason or another this year, like it just wasn't their year, but like, all the teams that we just mentioned can contend. Um, so like, that's why I don't have the biggest faith in the world. It's not a knock on the Celtics, right. but um, the surrounding. I love, I love basketball reference. I think you and I have talked about their like payroll thing where it shows all the years uh, players have left and Celtics have every single one of their players coming next, back next year. Of course, yeah. other than some like the bottom of the bench people, um, but every single player is coming back. So they're going to be in good position. And I, I just don't think they need to do much. Like I, I, I'm sure we're not going to continue the second half of the season. Number one seed. Uh, one of the best teams in the league records that we had the second half of the season next year, just again, for what we said, the league's going to be 
really competitive again next year. But I just don't think like it took us a while to kind of get here with like the talks over the last couple of years of like, can Jason Tatum and Jalen uh, like play together? Like, do they need to separate them? Um, and I forget who I was listening to. It was probably an ESPN guy, but it was like, guess what? They finally just, re- Oh, I think it was JJ Redick actually on his podcast. He's like, yeah. The Celtics finally like realize as a team that Jason Tatum is the one, Jalen Brown is the two, and there's no hard feelings. Like Jalen Brown doesn't feel like attacked or that he needs to be traded. And I think, oh, because yeah, JJ Redick was actually interviewing Jason Tatum for this, and he asked him, he's like, "So did you guys ever talk about this, or was it kind of just subconsciously or like subtly kind of realized as a team?" Right. I was like, "No, we like." Like obviously it started that way. It wasn't just one day Jason Tatum came in saying I'm the one that that wasn't how it worked. But like they they did talk about it. Yeah. Um all those like, player only meetings paid off, I guess. Yeah, like uh and I think I, I just really don't think they have to do much. Maybe you do something out, like the trade deadline or like maybe try to shift something around kind of to get like um, uh, I don't know, something outside of your starting five situated, but I think they're in a good position. It's just really funny, like looking back when uh, I forget if it was last year, two years ago, where they're like, people, are, they really extended Marcus Smart. Like right, he's not, right. a, he's not a starting guard in this league. Like he's a nice like six man off the bench. And is he the best point guard? No, but is he the best defensive? I was going to say point guard, but de- best defensive player. Like, yeah. Uh, Rob Williams, we extended. Here's the thing about Marcus Smart. Quick to to jump in. Yeah. And turns out maybe he was better off given the keys of the point guard position because. When he was thrust into this hybrid, yo, you're not the point guard, so be something else, is when he really got into trouble shooting too much, right? And he still has his moments where he gets a little too trigger happy with his jumper. Totally. Um, but when he became the actual full-time point guard, it's almost like he realized what his goals were, and it was not to get up all these shots and do all this stuff. It was to do everything else, which is and where... It's our two stars be stars. <laughs> exactly, which, again, he has his moments where he doesn't, but where the Celtics need to get better is in the margins, right? Like I'm, I'm looking through the free agency list right now, and this isn't the guy for not them. Great. Probably it's not great, but again, it's in the margins, right? This guy yep. probably won't even be a starter. Cause it's going to be uh smart white Brown Tatum. No, it won't. Right. Is who's white's off the bench. Yeah. So smart yeah. Brown Tatum Horford, Rob Williams, like Delon, Wright, Right. Just like a guy who can, yeah, can do a little guard. something. As a point guard, he can come in and play the defense you want. Like he's not going to be overly expensive. That's the type of player that they need to find to fill those margins up. Because you're deep on the free agent big board, Pete. <laughs> well, I guess not, there's there's not much not out that there, far so. down. He's not that far down the list. But also, I do think one more wing defender, uh, and just you know, three and D is is used to death. But if yeah. Neesmith can actually be playable, if they can find another guy who can come in and just spell Jalen and Jason for a little while. Uh, it's a little bit down tough with, with what are like it is interesting. I think you I don't know if you and I I was talking about with some people about how um the Warriors it's gone a little bit off tangent. Like people are like, oh, like a super team didn't win, but at the end of the day, the Warriors have like the highest payroll in the league. And yeah. like it is interesting how some teams are willing to go to certain extents with their salary, um with their payroll. But like knowing the Celtics like where they are right now is like they're not going to like, since they're bringing back everyone, like they're not going to want to start paying people. So then you have to worry like, Oh, who are they getting rid of? Like, 
looking at like Derek White's getting 16 a year. Like that's the fourth highest on our team. So like ain't cheap. And ain't yeah, a cheap team. like for yeah. what he does, like I really like him, but I would like him at like half the price. Right. Um, so like I don't strong, know. How, like, a strong 11 feels right for Derek White. Uh, not a strong. Yeah. Um, like Tice left the Celtics to actually get paid and then we traded for him back. And like, that's the contract we didn't want to get him. It's like 9 million a year, but like, uh, I do love since we are talking contracts a little bit, Robert Williams, similar to Marcus Smart when we gave him an extension last year, because he really didn't, he had flashes, but until this past year, he wasn't consistent, he healthy, healthy, wasn't yeah, yeah. consistently playing. Um, and like, he didn't have like a real role carved out. And we gave him like four years, 50 million, I think. And like, everyone was like, you're giving him an extension. Like, cause it was like a year early too, compared to when most rookies get their deal. And everyone was like, what are they doing? This is so risky. And now it's like Robert Williams for 10 to 12 million a year for the next four years. Golly, sign me up for another one. Like one of the better contracts around town. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I, I don't know where they're going to go because there's really not. You look at this list, it's it's ugly, man. Like Jeremy Lamb, TJ Warren, like Torian Prince. Like those are some of the wings that are available right now. Like that's not yeah. looking too hot for y'all. Um, we'll see where they go. You know, do they do they make a trade? Is it just a mid-level exception move? We're not, I'm not really Torian sure. Prince, I like that one actually. Not, I feel like he's a weak. I feel like he's a poor man, Jay, Jay Crowder. Yeah, not as and good. I love Jay Crowder when like, he's on the Celtics. Right. And it, and his shooting can get annoying too. Like he just lets it fly sometimes. And if it's not hitting, it's frustrating, but he does a lot of things that you like on the basketball court. Um, Do you know what a uh, rebound is? Cause he can explain to you what a rebound <laughs> is. That clip will come up forever. I love that Torian uh, Prince clip. Um, other free agent stuff, just more big picture. Any of these big, big names truly going to get moved. Kyrie just opted in. Harden's probably going to stay in Philly. Bradley Beal is opting out, but likely to opt to get a longer, bigger contract. Like, are any of these really big names, Glenn, going to actually make a move here? I, I'm I, always the type to say no. And I was like, no way this Ben Simmons Harden thing is actually going to happen. I'm pretty sure you and I were talking last year and you're like, Harden to like Philly or like maybe it was, maybe it was Harden to going to the Nets, whatever. We were talking about Harden getting traded at one of the points in time. And I was like, dude, like, big name players like this is never going to actually happen. It's just like all talk. And then it did. So um, anything's possible. I just, I don't, I really don't feel like anything will be. Um, yeah, this is going to be a whack free agent class. It's kind of whack. Uh, I know like this isn't even that hot of a take, but like there is talks like that Aiden might be back, but I feel like they'll end up just signing and trading him. Yeah. Well, who knows how much that bridge has been burned, right? That's yeah. the question. Is he going to even give a sign and trade or is he just going to get the biggest offer sheet he can and fuck the Suns, yeah. right? Like, cause the Suns might lose him for nothing. And that would be, that would be really rough for them. Yeah. You know, the Suns window, we're talking about the windows for all these teams, Glenn, like the Suns window yeah. was last year. Perhaps you can argue that they're going to be coming in now as the fourth best team in the West. Like that's real. That's actual possibility there. So I don't know what the heck's going on. Um, there's a chance. Brunson is the biggest free agent landing, the yeah. whole, which is just wrong. We shouldn't, that shouldn't it, be. It will be a little bit interesting in the point guard guard space to Colin Sexton. Um, yes, Cause it seemed sure. like he was kind of on his way out with the Cavs being a little bit more committed to Darius Garland of 
Uh, that's I think a lot more committed. what they expected or was hoping uh, Colin Sexton to be, and then they didn't like re-sign him or give him an extension earlier in the season when they could have, and then he got injured. I forget what his injury was, but it was like done for the season. Like I know it doesn't happen as much in the NBA as it does in the NFL, but like I wouldn't be shocked if maybe he returns on like a one-year deal or something to Cleveland to kind of like have a prove-it year, be healthy, come back from his injury, and then hopefully getting getting a the bag somewhere. But right, yeah. Who's just, I don't know, man. It's a good it's player. Tough. It's ugly. It's ugly, and there's not a lot of room for a lot of teams right now. So we'll see. Uh, Is what that on that? Uh, if if hypothetically, let's say. Uh, Brunson doesn't end up on the Knicks. Is like Sexton someone you have any interest in? Uh, not really, honestly. There was a lot of talks about Sexton to the Knicks. It's not the type of guy I want on my team, um, especially next to RJ Barrett, right? Like, and yeah. when you talk about draft, it's I'm not talking about fit ever. But when you're talking about free agency and paying somebody, it's when okay. you talk about fit. I don't think he's the right type of guard. I, I, I just don't. I, I think he's a scoring guard who's Decent he does grind on defense, though. He does. I just like every time I watched them, I thought Darius Garland outshined him so much offensively that yeah, it, it maybe has, has a bad taste in my mouth. But I, I would be good on Colin Sexton just because of what he would have gotten paid. Now, granted, we're talking about getting him on 10, 12 million. Then I think it's a really worthy flyer to take uh, that's low risk, but not itching to get Colin Sexton in, into town. Um. I was just going to bring up one more guard that I just now lost here. Zach Levine? Like, I don't see him leaving. Yeah, I don't see Zach Levine leaving either. But he is oh, no, this, this, this is it. I think this just came in nine minutes ago. Rockets will process a buyout with John Wall, agreeing to pay yeah. $41 million of the 47 They were talking about and that earlier today. The Clippers are looking to be the leader to grab him at a 6.3 mid-level exception. Kind of a nice, kind of a nice get. I think Wall has something to give. I think John Wall is going to play for somebody decent this year and actually have an impact. It's hard to say. We haven't seen him play in so long. Years, <laughs> literally, yeah. Um, and the big one too, though. This doesn't really. This is why we haven't gotten to him because he doesn't really fit onto the Celtics timeline. Uh, the Knicks don't really have what it takes, I think, to grab him from Charlotte. But Miles Bridges will be sought after here. And the Hornets have to make a big decision. If Good for him for not taking that contract last year. Dude, Eight. and he was awesome last year. He was so freaking good. I know the Hornets were a little bit disappointing. I think there are going to be a lot of suitors out there for, for Miles Bridges. I kept thinking he was going to cool off too because my buddy had him in fantasy. And like, a I had was like this is not sustainable for the whole season. And relatively was. He, won, he helped win my league. I mean, I had Jokic. So that was pretty, pretty <laughs> sick. But like Miles Bridges was huge for me too. Uh, I, I think there's somebody out there is gonna try to get him. If it ends up being a sign and trade, that's a win for Charlotte. But I think otherwise, Charlotte's gonna end up having to match a match offer sheet, and that's gonna be yeah. tough for them with Lamelo getting paid soon. And who they, they can't get anybody in Charlotte. Why would you not just max out Miles? And they Bridges? gave Hayward the a four year, well that four year deal. What was mm -hmm. this the second year of it? So yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Remember, everyone was a little bit surprised that Hayward got like as much as he did, and, and we're like, yeah, "Oh, Hayward, Charlotte Hayward can't has two get left because Charlotte can't get anyone. They got to get Gordon Hayward. When they have Gordon Hayward and he's healthy, they're a good team. 
Honestly, I'm just looking now on uh, Basketball Reference. Hayward's deal ends when Lamelo's rookie deal ends. So, <sighs> big receipt coming in Charlotte at some point here. I don't know. Other guys who are like available, kind of is like Kyle Anderson. Like that's what we're talking to. Uh, Nurkic is. I like Kyle football. Anderson. He does a little bit of everything. He'd be good for the Celtics, I think. Yeah. Um, but what's he going to get? I wouldn't be surprised if he gets more than you and I suspect. Right, he can get 15. even if it's only like a two-year deal or something. Oh man, what a what a stressful time! That's like a classic. Like I, I talk about this with different people all the time. Um, okay, not really that made it seem like I talk about the Memphis Grizzlies salary ca- cap way too often, but like in relation to what I mentioned about the Warriors, is like they decided to pay all their guys, and like that's why they are the highest like payroll in the league by like a decent amount. Like the Grizzlies, though, are just one of those teams that aren't going to do that. And like Kyle Anderson is going to be a guy that they will low key miss. They have a lot of good role players that contributed to the winning basketball, which is not always the case. Um, it's not always the case that you can just have a bunch of role players and actually win. Obviously, you have a star and job, but like they traded Anthony Melton to the 76ers. Like they will see if they get Kyle Anderson back. Um, so. Important pieces over the course of the year, 100%. Totally, totally. So, oh, man, we'll see. I don't know if I got anything else. I think that's all I got for now. I'm one, on one thing on I did price. think about too when you mentioned yeah. uh, John Wall is what, what'd you say? He was probably going to get signed for a couple million dollars or something Six for million, the Clippers. Yeah. Think about how much the Lakers wish that was the case with Russ. Oh, that my they God. got Russ from a buyout. the Rockets on a buyout for like six million and some other bottom of the barrel team was paying 40 million that's what they wish they were in and now they ain't even getting Kyrie, so <laughs> i don't yeah. know what's going on in los angeles man they'll get they'll get their share of uh vet minimum guys like they always would because they have lebron uh but in general man it's gonna be tough for them to get better i don't see yeah. i don't see the the case i really don't uh, i don't know i don't know what's gonna go down here between now and then i know rudy gobert has always talked about as a trade piece donovan mitchell will hear about levine will hear about amongst some others, but it's going to be a weird free agency this year, Glenn. Yeah, I do think in the right situation, Mo Bamba's free agent. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to get a huge contract, and it doesn't seem like he kind of fits into what that Orlando Magic are trying to do going forward. So um, I think, I don't know, <laughs> wouldn't be horrible player for the Knicks if they need a center to replace Mitch. Uh, wouldn't be horrible for the, yeah, the, for the Suns if you just need, again, He's a guy who I think is a starting center, but like you end up playing small ball. So he only plays like 18 to 20 minutes a game. So like, right. I think that's on those good, teams that have a hole at center, he's a guy that can get you two, three blocks a game and can stretch the floor. He doesn't get a ton of rebounds, but like if you have other guys that can do that, like, yeah, like, so, so let's, let's end on this here. If you're the Phoenix Suns, I know I mentioned before about the max for eight and right. Would you take eight and at the max? With probably being able, to, let's say they can bring back Javale McGee at the the vet minimum, right? Would you take eight on the max at the vet minimum, or Mo Bamba and Javale McGee at ten and six, like the two cheaper options, JaVale not as good as Ian, but then have flexibility in other positions? Javale and Mo, you go for Javale and Mo. I think I agree. I I am just big into not overpaying centers. Obviously, there's few exceptions, which we certainly can name two that finished in the top two of the MVP race um but yeah for the most part like i don't think centers typically contribute to like 
all-star or not all-star uh like finals basketball yeah you need you need one but you know you don't need the one if that makes sense like think about it. if the suns have javel mcgee as a starter next year is that the end of the world like do you they still will finish like probably top three seed if he's playing 18 minutes a game you're doing great yeah if him and mo can just get 15 to 20 each we're doing good. We're all, we're in a good place. And they have uh, what's his name coming back from injury? The the Serbian guy, Saric. Yeah, yeah, Dario Saric. So like, about him. he can play him. small ball center too, even though he's like a, a forward. Yeah. So I I just don't think the Suns need to bring back Aiton on a max deal. I agree. I agree. And we shall see what happens, Glenn. This has been a great episode. Talk some draft. Yes. Talk some free agency. I can't wait Likewise. to see what you do because if it's just Brunson, I'm telling you right now, Knicks fans are going to lose their minds. And I think that's fair. I thought it was unfair to lose your mind post-draft because it's very much an incomplete. It's not a grade. It's not an A. It's not a D. It's incomplete. We do not know yet what this team is going to look like. And uh, I'm just telling you, if it's just Brunson and a bunch of nobodies, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's not It's not the, the free agent year for that, though. No, it is not. We might get the best free agent and feel terrible about it. <laughs> yeah. All right, though. Glenn, thank you as always. Glenn Johnson, appreciate your time and your insight. Uh, This has been another episode of Subway Sports Talk. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts app and drop a rating on Spotify if that's where you listen. And don't forget now on YouTube, if you're watching us talk about this, hit the notifications button, subscribe, leave a comment. Leaving a little comment on YouTube really does a huge, huge deal for us with getting these videos in front of more people. And that's the goal, right? We're trying to talk sports here, have a good time, build something. And uh, what helps build that is that more people seeing it and listening to it. So that's all I got. Glenn, thank you, bro. Cheers. Cheers. There we go.